FaithWire.com. Christian players in Major League Baseball facing some backlash after refusing to wear Pride Day jerseys. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's FaithWire.com. My name is Dan Andros, joined as always by Billy Hallowell and Trey Gons Phillips of CBN's FaithWire as we go through the news of the day from a Christian perspective. And today is Wednesday, June 8th, 2022. And guys, happy hump day to you. We are almost there. Actually, Trey, you already are there. <laughs> yes. Because you're yeah, out yeah. for the next two days. I know. And so much to get done between now and then. But it'll be good because this weekend my brother's getting married. So it'll, it'll be a fun weekend. Yeah. Brothers getting married, all big stuff, but obviously us rebranding the podcast is a, is a bigger deal than that. I mean, that's oh, of course. I, <laughs> definitely, definitely not so that's much. the bigger news. I kid, I kid, <laughs> but we are indeed rebranding this podcast and I think tomorrow guys on the on the actual page it'll change. So for for those of you who follow this podcast when you see quick start, that's us. You're not getting you didn't get spammed by somebody else trying <laughs> to leap into your uh podcast feeds. So that is us. We are expanding. We're rebranding. We're going to be adding deep dives. We're making this a morning 7 a.m. podcast. So it'll be up first thing for you as we go through the news of the day. So um, we have that coming up. So what else is coming up on the podcast today, guys? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be talking about Brandon Heath. We actually caught up with him at the Kayla Fan Awards, and he opened up about writing a song for a film about autism and sex trafficking. Uh, so we'll get into the, to that story. All right. We're also going to be talking with Joel Veldkamp or talking about Joel Veldkamp and his Christian Solidarity International. That's the organization that monitors persecution. Talking a little bit more about that horrific attack in Nigeria. Mm. All right. Look forward to those updates. We are going to start right here with this controversy going on. As we know, it's Pride Month, the entire month dedicated across all these corporations and everybody uh, essentially virtue signaling that they are on board with the LGBT movement. So you see a lot of corporations doing rainbows and that sort of thing. Well, Major League Baseball is no exception. And the Tampa Bay Rays had a pride night over the weekend. This was on Saturday. And it's part of the team's annual uh, LGBTQ efforts. And so they wanted to have full participation from the team, but they gave all players a choice to opt into it and wear that rainbow-colored logo added to the TB that's already on their on their hats. And more than half of the players appeared to participate, which of course means that a lot of them did not. And some of those who didn't, which included uh, Jason Adam, Jalen Beeks, Brooks Raley, Jeffrey Springs, Ryan Thompson, uh, the pitchers and um, other players who chose not to wear the Pride Night apparel, they wore just the regular home jerseys and hat. And when asked about it, um, they said, uh, specifically Jason Adam, said that uh, it was primarily a, quote, faith-based decision. And this is what uh, he said. He said, a lot of it comes down to faith, uh, to like a faith-based decision. So it's a hard decision because ultimately we all said what we want is them to know that all are welcome and loved here. But when we put it on our bodies, I think a lot of guys decided that it's just a lifestyle that maybe, not that they look down on anybody or think differently, it's just that maybe we don't want to encourage it if we believe in Jesus, who's encouraged us to live a lifestyle 
that would abstain from that behavior, just like Jesus encourages me as a heterosexual male to abstain from sex outside the confines of marriage. It's no different. Uh, he added that it's not judgmental. It's not looking down. It's just what we believe the lifestyle he's encouraged us to live for our good, not to withhold. But again, we love these men and women. We care about them and we want them to feel safe and welcome here. So that was the rationale that was given when people were asking about it. But not everyone thrilled about it. There's an openly gay pro baseball player named Brian Ruby. And so he had a big reaction to this news, these Rays players not wearing the jersey. And so he went into USA Today Sports for an interview, and uh, he said their actions make gay people feel like, quote, second-class citizens, end quote, and that they're using Jesus to shield their homophobia. This is what he said. It's always baffles me when guys use Jesus as their excuse to discriminate. Like, wasn't Jesus the guy who preached, love thy neighbor? This isn't about religion. This is about being a good teammate. When guys go out of their way to make a point of opposing Pride Night, they're sending a clear message that people like me just aren't welcome in baseball. It's a reminder that everyone, that even on the one night we get to be proud of ourselves at the ballpark, we're still second-class citizens. It's as simple as that. Um so there you go, guys. And why does it matter? I mean, this is a conversation, again, that we've talked about. It's not going away anytime soon. And I think as Christians, we have to be ready for that response. And Jason Adam gave a pretty good response there. But you see this disconnect. We've talked about it a lot, Billy when and Trey, when we've covered these bakers and other Christians in the business world who um, are, are trying to exercise their faith, but also be in the world around us. And when they do, it seems like it's just taken as discriminatory and hateful. And um, I'll, I'll open it up, guys. But when I look at that and I see those comments uh, from this gay player, there's that misconception that it equals hate, that it equals discrimination. I don't understand how it can be discrimination if you choose not to wear a jersey. Like, What, what physical impact does that actually have on this gay player? It's just somebody else with a differing view. Um, and again, there's that tension there where they the, the secular uh, side of things, they just don't seem to understand the Christian viewpoint in that it doesn't mean we hate you. It means that that is something that as Christians, we are not, you know, co-signed to be all okay with and to endorse. And again, that doesn't mean that we are looking down and shunning. I mean, every Christian knows that we're all sinners and we all uh, fall short, and none of us can toot our own horns. So that that's not it. It shouldn't be it anyway. Um, so uh, that misconception, guys, it's a tough one because it seems like no matter what Christians say, that's how it's going to be received. Well, I mean, let's go back to what we talked about a million times on this show. If you are demanding that I do something and I don't do it and you're upset, then if we flip it, and I think this is really helpful actually to both sides of this discussion, are you going to wear the cross patch on your shirt? And if you don't yeah. wear the cross patch on your, are you going to wear, you know, some sort of pendant that I demand you wear to respect my Christianity? And if you don't wear it, you're hateful and you're anti-Christian. Well, no, I would never think that about somebody who chose not to wear it. I would think 
they're not in support of this. They don't agree with it. And that's their right. Um, so loving your neighbor, I guess if we're using that standard, then then this player who you quoted, if he loves his Christian neighbors, he's going to wear their symbol on his. And obviously he's probably not going to. So this entire thing is based on false narratives. And these false narratives are based on people's obsession with themselves, which we talk about almost every day. And I feel like we can't hammer it home enough. Your feelings, you are not meant to never get hurt. You're not shielded from any sort of pain in life. And and pulling back on that, to your point, Dan, I don't really see how any of this is any sort of infliction of pain. It's just somebody's perspective, and it's a different perspective. Hmm. Yeah, and we've also you know made the term tolerance, ironically, completely obsolete, because uh, tolerance now just means complete and, and total acceptance of something, uh, which is not actually, obviously, the definition uh, of tolerance. And we've also said that the only uh, acceptable view to hold on LGBT issues is to be pro-LGBT, uh, as if there's not a completely mainstream and biblical understanding that has been around for thousands of years uh, about sexuality. Uh, but the world has kind of tricked us into thinking that that this is the only view, and any other view uh, is is not only you know wrong or not favorable, but it's uh, it's anathema to morals and it's it's bigoted and all this all of this other stuff. So uh, we've created, like you said, Billy, this false narrative and this this binary. Uh, that doesn't actually exist. Like if you want to live in a pluralistic uh, and tolerant society, uh, then two people can hold different views on this issue, on the issue of sexuality, and it'd be completely acceptable for people to have differing views. Uh, and as, as Christians, we know that one is is biblically sound, uh, one is acceptable scripturally, and one is not. Uh, but I, more often than not, I don't see Christians having an issue tolerating those who have a different perspective. Uh, it's usually the other way around. It's the secular world uh, having a problem tolerating the fact that people have bona fide, sincerely held, genuine beliefs uh, that are not at all hateful, uh, but just, uh, you know, interpreted through scripture. Uh, so I think this failure to coexist uh, is is problematic. It's led to a lot of the problems we have today. Uh, and unless we start to learn to deal with one another's perspectives, uh, I think we're going to have more and more of these kinds of, uh, of issues. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not going to go away is, is my point. Uh, so I, you know, I kudos to this player for being willing to, to stand up and to, to take the heat for it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and it's just interesting too, guys, because like you said, it's not going to go away. And I think you almost get the sense that none of these guys talk about this to actual Christians yeah. and, and LGBT players having a conversation. When you see a comment that says, this is an added one to what I'd read earlier. He says, when your teammates go out of their way to indicate they don't accept you, it can be absolutely crushing and pretty hard to suit up and play well. Like Christians I mean, accept other people and they love other people. That's what we're commanded to do. That, as, as you said, Billy, that doesn't mean we have to agree with every single right. thing you do. Uh, and I mean, that can be for a whole host of other issues. And, and again, there's an, uh, there's underlying disagreements. I know that, uh, the LGBT crowd would think that they were born that way and that's the way that they, you know, they can't help it. That's just who they are. And of course, as Christians, we would hold a very different view of that, that, um, God did not make you to stay in your sin. He didn't make you to just, um, you know, God made me this way. There, well, we're all sinners. We're all born with sin. That doesn't mean we just keep on sinning, right? Like we have to go away from sin. We have to flee from sin, flee from immorality, as it says in First uh, Corinthians. So, um, 
you know, it, when those baseline differences aren't understood, we're going to keep having these disagreements until people have actual conversations with the folks in their circle to understand better their viewpoint. Because I, I think you wouldn't see things like this if you knew someone's heart as a Christian that they don't hate you, but they can't, you know, they don't agree with that choice and that decision to live that way. Um, but we can still love each other despite the choices we make in life. But, um, you know, until those conversations happen, I don't see that that bridge getting spanned anytime soon. Too many, gap getting spanned. Too many safe spaces. That's how you end up this way. Yeah. You're only yeah. around people who agree with you and you, you don't interact with anybody else. Yeah. It's toxic. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, I mean, you know, in addition to to making the term tolerance obsolete, I think we've also watered down love. Right, that love now is just you accepting and being okay with whatever I do. But y'all are both parents. You know that when you're uh, correcting your children for things that they think that are wrong or things that they do that are wrong, uh, the underlying reason you're doing it is because you love them, you care about them. Yeah. And I think that's what Christians are doing. Look, I, we're we can see uh, the the future uh, of what these sins. Bear out because we know what scripture says we've been convicted we know what god says and we know what happens when we fall into sin uh, so i think a lot of times people are speaking out because they do love the world they do love the people around them their loved ones uh, i think we're doing a disservice to the term love by saying that uh, acceptance is is akin to love that, mm. th that those are not necessarily the same thing indeed all right let's uh let's uh, segue off of that into story number two Yes, so story number two. All right, we spoke with a Christian singer, Brandon Heath, at the Caleb Fan Awards recently uh, about a song he wrote for a new movie called The Sound of Violet. It's a super unique movie. It came out actually in late April. Uh, didn't get a whole lot of attention. It had a limited theatrical release, uh, but... Nevertheless, we caught up with Brandon about a song that he wrote specifically for the movie. Uh, so the film chronicles the journey of a high-functioning autistic man named Sean uh, who works with his brother on a dating app. Uh, Sean is so awkward during dates that he goes on one after the other that he's actually ultimately banned from the platform that he helped create. Uh, then during a company party, uh, Sean meets Violet, uh, who happened to be a prude who was at the at the party. Uh, the two actually hit it off uh, and start a friendship. They go on a date uh, and neither one of them really knows what the other is about. Uh, Sean, because of his autism, he, he doesn't really pick up on who Violet is or what she does or how she ended up in the in the world that that she was in. Uh, and Violet just makes assumptions uh, based on the other men that she'd encountered over the years. Uh, so it's an interesting storyline uh, from the beginning. It has a lot going on in it. Uh, like I said, they tackle autism and sex trafficking, telling Violet's backstory of how she got into uh, the world she was in. Uh, and then also Sean and how he was able to navigate uh, relationships as someone with autism. Uh, so Brandon is actually friends with the director of the film who also wrote the book uh, by the same title, uh, The Sound of Violet. And he said he was excited to participate in the movie specifically because he has a stepbrother who is on the spectrum. He has Asperger's. Uh, he said growing up with a, a brother who has autism has given him a heart for those who navigate life with Asperger's, with autism, uh, with any degree of being on the spectrum. Uh, and he was excited to help uh, portray uh, 
what these relationships look relationships look like, uh, the ups and downs of, of just living life uh, on the spectrum. He said he was eager to do that. Uh, Brandon also talked about his return to music. Uh, so Brandon Heath hasn't recorded any new uh, records in about five years. He took a, a brief hiatus uh, recently, but he just released a brand new album uh, called Enough Already. Uh, and we talked about the importance of uh, of portraying the gospel uh, with our platforms and using our platforms and using the space that God has given us uh, wisely. And Brandon said, I realize that people are paying attention and people, and, and even the people who aren't paying attention, uh, they're searching. So if our music can catch them on a day where a seed can be planted for the gospel, I think music is a big way to do that. And I don't ever lose sight of that. Uh, and talked about the, the heavy burden of responsibility that he has uh, as a Christian artist uh, to make sure that he's constantly leading people uh, into worship and to teaching them more about uh, God's character uh, and also, you know, potentially paving the way for the Holy Spirit to interact with people uh, in, in new ways. So it's just a really good conversation uh, and a cool story, an interesting movie uh, that got a really high rating from the from the viewers on Rotten Tomatoes. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a super interesting movie concept, uh, and it was good to catch up with Brandon about uh, why he wanted to do it. Yeah, definitely sounds interesting. Looking forward to checking it out. I'm sure I'm sure the critics on Rotten Tomatoes will <laughs> favorably look on the Christian artist. But you never know. You never know. Um, I just thought one little thing I'll add here, uh, Trey, yeah. is it must be nice to just take a five-year hiatus right. from your job. Yeah. You know, I don't understand. I guess maybe he was doing really well. Maybe his other albums provided him the means to do so. But uh, Are you saying that we should take five-year hiatus? No, here? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying... <laughs> Must be nice. Hey guys, we'll see you in five years. All right, we'll be back. You know, so these artists, these guys make these albums, and then it's like, hey, yeah, chill and think about it for five years. But obviously, I'm sure he's doing. I'm, I'm just kidding. But, um, but yeah, looking forward to that movie. Uh, and um, you know, I'm always, always thankful for artists like this that that you know, as you talked about, they're focused on sharing the gospel because it is interesting how music does move us. Movies can move us, and they can be such a, um a force for the gospel going forward. And so it's great to see Christians using all the means available to do so. Yeah, I think it's a reminder too that, you know, representation in terms of a lot of types of people that we don't often see, you know, Where Hope Grows was a big movie a few years back because it showed, it had a star who had Down syndrome, right? That's not Mm -hmm. something you see very often. And I think for the pro-life movement, especially, and for Christians who care so much about life, being able to kind of explore these things through film um, is essential since we explore every other thing through film in this country. Um, but these issues are, I think are so important. And then the other piece trade that stuck out to me was just using our platforms. It's such mm-hmm. a simple thing. And I think a lot of people assume, Oh, he's a famous singer or that person's a famous actor. Of course they have a big platform or there's a media outlet. I don't have that platform, but everybody has a platform. It could be a smaller yeah. one or a larger one, whether it's in your workplace or your community. And so it's just a good reminder to be creative and have how we you know, share our faith and use those platforms we have available to us. 
Yeah, totally. And I, it's something I appreciated too about the movie is, uh, is it's not uh, Christian necessarily in the conventional way, which I think uh, opens the door for people who might not normally approach a movie that's that's billed as a Christian movie. Uh, they might see it uh, when they wouldn't necessarily see something that was very overtly Christian. Like there are uh, several scenes throughout the movie where uh, Sean, uh, the autistic man, and his uh, aunt uh, actually talk about the different biblical concepts of of acceptance and tolerating people and being forgiving and uh, and and learning about God's character in that way. Uh, so I think it's interesting too. You mentioned using our platforms uh, about using our platforms in unexpected ways, or allowing the Holy Spirit to use us uh, in unexpected ways to minister to people we might not feel like uh, we have the the opportunity to minister to. Uh, so yeah, definitely, I completely agree with what you're saying. Mm. All right. All right. Well, that brings us into our last story today. And this one is a really heartbreaking story. We've covered Nigeria quite a bit on the show here and the issues that are going on there, the extremism in the north of the country. We talked about the stoning case of Deborah Samuels a few weeks back. Um, But there was a really horrific event on Sunday that we also spoke about in which at least 50 people, I mean, that is just incredibly horrific to me, were killed inside of a church. It was a Catholic church in Nigeria on Pentecost Sunday, and we connected with Joel Veldkamp. He is the head of international communications at Christian Solidarity International. This is a persecution watchdog. We've had him on numerous times on Faithwire and CBN to talk about the issues going on, not just in Nigeria, but around the world. But they have been very focused on Nigeria because of the attacks, like what we saw on Sunday. And so we spoke with Joel about what exactly happened, and he kind of took us through the specific events. Again, some of these general facts were known, but apparently gunmen came in reportedly into the church pretending to be worshipers. There were other gunmen who arrived on motorcycles outside the church, and there was an assault that began outside the church as well as inside. There were bombs that were placed apparently on the altar and in other locations around the church, and there were obviously... You have people being shot and explosions going off, hence 50 or more people uh, being killed in this horrific event. And he said, Joel, that there are a lot of people still in the hospital. Some people still might die. There's a lot of uncertainty still going on there. Uh, but they had a journalist who went in to the site yesterday, which is pretty incredible, and she was shocked to be able to access the site. It was not closed off. You know, here in America, you would assume there's an event like that. And just some really horrific details. Uh, She said, basically, there's blood still there. There's blood all over the floor still. I mean, this is very actively a murder scene. Um, And as she was there, there were people walking around who had survived this and they were bewildered still even days afterward um you know in shock over what they saw one man told her that he was as soon as the shooting started he fled to go to the fence because there was a fence around the church he was going to try to scale it and as he got to the fence he saw another man climbing it a gunman shot that man and then a little girl right next to him was killed and then the gunman turned to him and said you know sarcastically you go ahead and climb that fence and apparently the guy did climb the fence and somehow survived. Those are the types of stories that are coming out of this. And again, they have a journalist who is on the ground there who is going and looking and seeing these things. And again, this comes on the heels of a lot of drama here in the United States about the United States' decision to remove Nigeria from the countries of particular 
concern. That is a list that monitors persecution, and we keep that here in the U.S. to put pressure on countries where there is persecution. The Trump administration had ha- had added Nigeria to that for a year. The Biden administration chose in November to drop Nigeria, and with these events going on, Lots of questions about why that has happened. Not a lot of answers. Joel has been very vocal on that. I would add one more thing here as we close the story out. You know, this is particularly troubling and disturbing to a lot of watchdogs, this particular event on Sunday, because it happened in the Southwest, in a region that is normally peaceful. These are not events that happen there. The events I talked about before, they happen in the North. And so there are lots of questions about what might be happening. Is the extremism moving? Is there a new front of anti-Christian bias that is going to come into this Southern region? So a lot to pray for and consider there. Yeah, indeed. And um, as we talked about earlier in the week, definitely praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ there. Absolutely. I mean, I saw, you know, we keep seeing these stories come in about the details of it. Two infants were killed in in these attacks. And you just, I mean, it's just so horrific and so senseless, really. Um, but behind what's driving it all, you know, in most of these cases there in Nigeria is this hatred for Christians. And we, um, you know, we talk about these misconceptions that everybody has, you know, we were talking about in the earlier story and um, it's a hundred fold or a thousand fold overseas in some of these places. And uh, man, um, you know, it'd be nice to see the administration step up and do a little bit more and, uh, you know, than nothing. And obviously it's, it's Nigeria, it's not here, but do, do we as a country value Christians and freedom of religion around the globe or do we not or do we value other things and so uh, i realize the president's time is divided but you know you it just it shows you what they're concerned about they're not worried about christians in the country feeling left out you know they're not worried Mm -hmm. about that at all if they were they would leap to make a statement to it but they don't it just shows you it kind of gives a window into the priorities yeah, you know, I think so much of this is year after year with different administrations over the years, I think is poisoned by uh, politics so often uh, because, you know, we we talk about it, it's it's Pride Month here in, in the U.S. during you know, the month of June. Uh, and we're talking all about LGBT rights and, and empowering uh, people who have been discriminated against for their sexuality. And then we've had the Black Lives Matter movement and all of this attention uh, towards social justice here uh, when it comes uh, to race. And, and the, that's fine and, and, and all well and good to talk about. Uh, but it just kind of it falls on deaf ears, I think, and it's it's hard to to swallow uh, when you you see this this these attacks on believers happening around the world at different in different countries, uh, and we have an administration who's who's in power and and supposedly all about justice and standing up for the persecuted, uh, and and there's no you know, there, there's no effort really, uh, to condemn this. So, uh, like you said, I know, Dan, I know the president is, is divided in a whole lot of different directions. 
But just a, a strong statement, I think, would go a long way in, in speaking out against this stuff. So, But as believers, I think the takeaway here from this story uh, is certainly to continue to be in prayer, like we've said on episode after right. episode, uh, to be in prayer for our brothers and sisters who are facing persecution, uh, and also to thank God for the blessing we have of safety here uh, to speak out about this, but also to share our faith uh, so openly, uh, because it's you know it's, it's, it's a unique time uh, as a Christian to be in the West. Uh, and and to have uh, that freedom. If you look at all of history, uh, we are certainly the outlier. Uh, so we need to be, you know, thanking God for that blessing. Yeah. Indeed, and uh, it's funny because our biggest blessing now becomes sort of our curse. Because I, I think mm-hmm. out of this comfort, a lot of these um, movements that you see now, I, there's this. I, 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 you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here. This is just a hunch. This is just me, uh, you know, opinionating here. On what I on what I see, but I think people have this desire to belong to something bigger than themselves, and so when because you see this a lot on particularly one side of the aisle, there's this victimization sort of um, mentality that's pushed, and so if you can then find yourself in this victim class and have this movement to overcome this oppression that's happening to this victim class. I mean, it feels like we're searching for these victim classes in some of these examples. And there are some legitimate ones, but then there are some not so legitimate ones. But I think it all stems from that need that God has embedded in us to to worship something bigger than ourselves, to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And you see it with a lot of these movements. And because of our peace and security, like you don't, that's why on 9-11, everybody, all of a sudden, all the, the peripheral stuff doesn't matter anymore, right? Like, all of a sudden, the country is like, oh, my goodness, we have this threat. We need to band together on this. And we did. And so it's like priorities suddenly come into focus when there's a bigger threat than all this other stuff. But I, but I think our peace and security sort of enables that sort of thing to happen because we don't have to worry about actual real threats, you know what I mean, on, on that front. And so it leaves people sort of searching for some meaning. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I do think there's a real quest. I think a lot of people like to be victims. Like you said, there's real victimhood, but I think there's a real, you know, just sort of like relishing in, you know, I saw a video today about somebody saying, I'm going to, I'm going to embrace these new pronouns. And I'd never yeah, heard about that. I, I saw that like, same video. Yeah, it was like, like fa, fa it, fe yes, or something like, like that. What in the world? <laughs> but only certain people, only certain people know, know straight people could call that person by those pronouns only. I mean, it's right. like, it's so we're living in this era of I'm so important. I'm so special. And yeah, you're important enough. Jesus died for all of us. He loves us, but we're supposed to die to self, not require everybody else to live right. for ourselves. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. So uh, interesting times out there for sure, but glad to help you get through this hump day. Glad you're with us on this podcast. As I said, look for that name change. We're rebranding, expanding the pod uh, on starting on Monday. We'll be out here at 7 a.m. for you. Um, bright and early get your day started with some news from a Christian perspective so uh, as always Lord willing and the creek don't rise we will be back here tomorrow with more Trey won't Trey's going skiing I think oh no it was a wedding it's Friday yeah Yeah, that's right yeah All right. cbnnews.com faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective God bless you